0: Church, and again, if you're a visitor with us, thank you so much for joining us this morning. In preparation for Easter, we're building up a sermon series heading towards Easter Sunday. And last week, Andrew looked at the Old Testament prophetic words that speak of the coming Messiah, the promised one, the coming King, which is the series we're calling it, and incredible prophetic words that tell of this coming. And this morning we're going to look at the subject of the sacrificial king. In 1888, anyone born then? No, none of us, no. On one of the railways in Prussia, which is now part of Germany, a switch tender, that's a switch tender, he directs the trains to go onto the right tracks at the junctions. And he was just taking his place at work in order to turn a coming train approaching in a different direction. Just at this moment, on turning his head, he discerned his little son playing on the track of the advancing engine. What could he do? Thorpe was quick at such a moment of peril. You can see, it's an old-fashioned story. He might spring to his child and rescue him, but he could not do this and turn the switch in time. And for the want of the hundreds of lives that might be lost... Although in sore trouble, he could not neglect his greater duty, but exclaiming with a loud voice to his son, Lie down! He laid hold of the switch and saw the train safely turned onto the proper track. His boy, accustomed to obedience, did as his father commanded him, and the fearful, heavy train thundered over him. Little did the passengers dream as they found themselves quietly resting on that turnout. What terrible anguish their approach had that day caused to one noble heart. The father rushed to where his boy lay, fearful lest he should only find a mangled corpse. But to his great joy and thankful gratitude, he found him alive and unharmed. Prompt obedience had saved him. Had he paused to argue, to reason whether it was best, death and fearful mutilation of body would have resulted. The circumstances connected with that event would be known to the king of Prussia, who the next day sent for the man and presented him with a medal of honour for his heroism. That railway worker was also a father, a dad, who had to make a decision, a decision that would save hundreds of lives, but at the cost of sacrificing his own son. Now, on that occasion, the outcome was good. Hundreds were saved, but also so was his son. And as we begin to think about that sacrifice that father was willing to make, I don't know about you, but it makes me shudder a little. However... There is another incredible, true, and eternity-changing story that involves God the Father and his Son. Jesus, King of the universe, the one involved in the very act of creation, the one that ruled and reigned over all things, laid aside his splendor, his majesty. He came from earth. From heaven to earth. He laid aside his power, his authority, and he died as a sacrifice for us on the cross. However, this story, this reality, it was not an accident that Christ died on the cross. It was planned. In fact, it was planned even before the very act of creation itself. A way of salvation that was needed to deal with our sin, our wrongdoing. For God so loved us that he was willing to sacrifice his own dear son. But a son also, the Christ, who was willing to lay down his life for us. So this morning as we think about sacrifice, we're going to look at some verses in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 53. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. The book of Isaiah is in the Old Testament. That's before Jesus comes and speaks about this coming king. Isaiah 53 says this. Surely, from verse four, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We're like sheep that have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us are loved and created, made in the image of God, which is amazing, good, perfect, beautiful. However, all of us have been damaged by the decisions to live without God, to go our own way. In Isaiah 53, it uses three different words to describe our current human condition. There's sin, transgression, and the third one. Don't say it aloud with me. Iniquity, thank you. You know I have trouble with my words, so I was making sure you remembered. Iniquity, that's how you say it. So what is sin? Sin is an offence. It's wrongdoing, it's missing the mark. Romans three twenty three says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is perfect, God is holy, and yet we're not. We fall short, we do things wrong, we offend God, we offend others. We are all sinful and there are consequences for our wrongdoing. Romans 6.20 says this, the consequences of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But there's sin, the other word they use here is transgression. That is to choose to intentionally disobey, willful transgressing, repeated sin. Hands up if you repeat sin sometimes. Now the rest of you that didn't put up your hands, particularly you, Jeremiah, right? You lying again. It's repeated. Thank you, thank you, Jeremiah. He doesn't mind. He knows I can pick on him because he pick on me later. But we all sin. We all do things wrong ongoing. We continue to make poor decisions. For some of us, we have addictive behaviours. Maybe the same response of anger, transgressions. The third word is iniquity. And that's about an internal corruption, perversity, born by nature. You see, because of Adam and Eve's decision to, as well as disobey God, all of us We're born sinful. All of us. And nothing in this passage will make sense unless you feel the full weight of that truth. That we were far off. We fell short. We are dirty. We're unclean. We're unrighteous as the Bible calls us. We are dirty. We cannot see God because he is holy and we are not. As we begin to see that, we realize why Jesus died for us, what he suffered for us, the pain and the brutality, the shame of the cross, it was for all of us. He was our great and perfect substitute for us and that Jesus died in our place for our punishment. And there's three things I just want to draw out of the passage this morning for us. What did Jesus do? What did he sacrifice do? Well, the first thing is this, he took our pollution. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. We're all sick this morning. We're all infected by wrongdoing. We're all polluted. There is no good works, no medication, nothing that can deal with our human condition. I wonder how many of us watched the, the BBC series Blue Planet. Did anybody watch Blue Planet? It was about it was an incredible documentary about the seas, read by that old boy, David Attenborough, who's still alive. Amazingly, still narrating. And I don't know, when, sometimes when I watch those programs, it just causes me to just watch in amazement the incredible things of creation, the incredible creatures that live in... The sea, the incredible beauty. And it also makes me think wow, isn't God amazing with his creativity and his humor in some of the things he's created? And just in the detail and the things that are right at the bottom of the sea that we're only beginning to discover now. Just incredible beauty and detail and how it all fits together. Incredible. However, the series also began to show the flip side. Man's destruction of the oceans, the pollution that is infecting this incredible beauty, plastics, netting, rubbish that is filling our seas. We noticed that in the storm that I missed because I was in South Africa, but I wasn't, you know, the storm as it came in and the snow and the sea and the whole East Coast was covered in litter, wasn't it? Absolutely covered. We see our single use of plastics, our obsession with everything being disposable is affecting our planet. And as Christians, we are responsible. We have a responsibility to bring about change. God has called us to be stewards of what he's given us, stewards of this planet. And so we need to work out how we can care more for the earth. But we're all made in the image of God. And though we display reflect the beauty We have still been, like the oceans, polluted by our sin. We are affected. We are marred. And the pollution affects every area of our lives. It affects our relationships. They become damaged and broken. And in verse 4, the passage states the reason for the servant's suffering. Surely our sickness, grief he bore, and our pains he carried but we considered or esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Christ on the cross took our pain, took our disease, took our pollution, and he came to lift the heavy burden of sadness brought about by our own sin and the pain of living in a sinful world, the pain of our polluted lives. Many of us, I know, are troubled by the memory of some selfish or shameful acts, either that we've done or have been done against us. But Jesus, as he was lashed and whipped upon the cross, he took the pain and the suffering of those things upon himself. He was whipped before he took up the cross. And now he invites us to... Receive his forgiveness and give our lives to him. He wants us to know the greatness of God's love for us, his forgiveness, his grace. That's why he died. And the servant is demonstrated, characterized by griefs and sorrows, but they were not his own. It was for all of us that Jesus suffered and died. The bearing of weakness and illness that made us think little of the servant is our weakness and our illness. The very things that make us think of him of little importance are the things for which we are to honour him because it is for our sake he endured them. See, when we hurt, we often hurt others, that's true, isn't it? We want to lash out. But when God hurt, healed others. When we hurt, we hurt others. When God hurt, he healed others. Colin Smith, the Scottish theologian, said this, he, that's Jesus, took up our infirmities and carried our sorrow. That must include the division in your family, the loss of your job, the death of your husband, and the pain of your path. See, in Christ Jesus, we don't now have a distant God. He has bridged the gap. But in him, we find a God who draws near to us, who came to us, who entered our world, became one of us, that he might carry our sorrows for us. He took our pollution and the effects of that pollution. Secondly, he took our punishment, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Verse 5 is an incredible picture of both the physical and spiritual anguish Jesus experienced for us. He was pierced through for our rebellion, crushed. The punishment of our well-being was upon him. And his wounds have made healing for us, physically and spiritually. He's brought absence of war and safety in a messed up world with broken people, broken promises. Through Jesus, we can have the peace that passes all understanding. We can know healing. We can be healed from our guilt, our shame. Healed from our hatred. Healed from our doubts. And healed from every feeling of shame. Jesus has done this for us. Through Christ, broken people are put back together again. It's through Jesus' suffering we're not condemned. He was wounded, or as the Hebrew says, he was pierced through for our transgressions. In other words, he was not merely injured for carrying our sins. He was not only wounded by becoming a substitute, sin bearer for us, He was actually pierced through an account of our transgressions. He took the punishment that was due for our sin, for my sin, right through to its conclusion, even to that violent death upon a cross. And yet on the cross, and because of that, Jesus said, it is finished. The work of paying for the price of sin and bearing punishment is over. For the servant of God has already brought us to a complete conclusion through his suffering the reason for the suffering of Christ for the grief and sorrows for the wounding for the piercing for the bruising for the crushing was that the anger the wrath of God against sin would be turned away from us and the payment of our debt was taken so now we can have friendship with God the barrier between moved between God and man 2 Corinthians 5:21 says God made him that's Jesus who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're now made holy, we're made acceptable. We exchange our guilt and our shame for his salvation, his righteousness. The Bible says, Now we carry a robe of righteousness. When God looks at you, if you are now in Christ, having your sins forgiven, he doesn't see your dirtiness, your shame, the separation, he sees Christ. He sees purity, he sees love, he sees kindness, he sees goodness. It's such a wonderful salvation. What a sacrificial king, our Jesus. And lastly, he took our position. We're all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're all like sheep. What sheep do so, what noise do sheep make? Say ba to your neighbour. Sound more like a sheep to your neighbor on the other side. Some of you are really bad. Anybody come that's a really, really good. Come on, that's here. There's a sheep. Come on. That's a lot better. Like we tell it, some of you are just city people, you know, you've never been out in the countryside. Sheep. We're all like sheep. Verse 6 tells us the reason. The is why Jesus came for all the suffering that we've previously mentioned. All of us are like sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all gone off on our own. We've all gone to our own way. But the Lord, it says, has laid on him the sin, the iniquity of us all. And we're all prone to stray and get lost in life. Our selfishness, our lack of judgment, our decisions, our lusts, our temptations, our ambitions cause us to go our own way. Again, how did we go astray? By turning to our own way. By living like we thought, we desired to live it that way, instead of what God has commanded us to do. Like sheep, we humans don't seem to be aware of the consequences of our decisions and choices. But God chose to bring us back into his fold. He went after us. He sent Jesus to bring us back into the fold. Jesus is called the chief shepherd, and he laid down his life, for the lost, for you, for those that have strayed. And our consequences were made to fall on the servant Christ. The effects of our behavior came upon Christ. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep to create the way back to God. God made this one suffer the consequences, the result of our rebellion. The iniquity of us all fell upon Christ on the cross. Isaiah 53 contains the good news we all need. Jesus was bruised for us. He was wounded for us. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was scourged. He had a crown of thorns put on his head, crucified for us. Our sins drove Jesus to the cross, but he didn't go unwillingly. He went because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not have to die but have eternal life. It says God's loving kindness will bring us to repentance. Only in Christ, his perfect substitute, we can live in peace. We are healed. He is our incredible sacrificial savior. As we conclude, it calls for a response from all of us. I wonder today, have you received the forgiveness of God? Have you understood Jesus died in your place? However, he calls for a response to this truth. There's something that we have to do. We have to admit that we are wrong. We are astray. We have to realize and accept we need to come to him Only through Jesus can we come to God. You know, today you can do that. If you're not a Christian here this morning, if you haven't yet received the forgiveness of God, you can do that today. You can pray to God and ask for forgiveness and you can choose to come and follow him. That will mean a change of thinking and a change of lifestyle as you follow him, not your own ways or the ways of others. The Bible calls it, repentance. It means a turning around. You go in a different direction. Today you can do that. In a few moments, I'm going to give the opportunity to say, yes, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know forgiveness of my sin. Maybe you've never done that. Today can be the day when you can receive and understand and receive the goodness of what it is to have a sacrificial Jesus die for you. And I'd like to pray with you in a moment to help you in that process. For many of us here this morning, we are Christians. Jesus has paid the price for our sin. That means you don't have to redeem yourself. You don't have to prove yourself to God. You don't have to keep working hard to prove to God that you love him because he loves you. He accepts you. You're now in Christ. You need to stop beating yourself up the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we can come to Him, receive His grace and mercy. It's a free gift. He has done it all. We want to allow His love and grace to fill you today. And as we receive and understand that grace, it will mean out of knowing God and loving Him, we will too lay down our lives, that we will make sacrifices. David Livingstone, he was a missionary to Africa. He said this, and if the band would just like to come up, please. is what he said. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply acknowledging a great debt we owe to our God, which we can never repay? It is a sacrifice which brings its own reward in healthy activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny, it is emphatically no sacrifice. Rather, it is a privilege, anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, forgoing the common conveniences of this life. These may make us pause and cause our spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but let this be only for a moment. All these things are nothing compared with the glory which shall later be revealed in and through us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk. Where we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. There are sacrifices Christ is calling us to do. To lay aside sometimes our comforts, our wants, our desires, our hopes, our own dreams and desires for the sake of him as we love him, as we receive this grace. For some of us, that will mean moving to the ends of the earth. It might be moving across the street to that person who's been winding you up and demonstrate God's love to them. The sacrifice sometimes for some of us of saying we're not going to live with our family because we're pursuing what God has for us. God is calling us to sacrifice as we see his sacrifice. God is calling us to lay down our preferences, our wants, our desires for the sake of the good news of the gospel. I wonder what decisions you need to make today. Why don't we just stand together? I'm just gonna pray for us and we're going to worship God.